I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Tonight we are going to look at uh, John chapter 3. I was, um, me and a few other guys from the church were at a conference in Chicago this week, so we were gone Thursday through Saturday, so the session has um, graciously allowed me to preach an old sermon tonight, and so... um, We're going to take a break from our series in Matthew uh, by looking tonight at John uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 15. So John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Before we hear God's word, if you would, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, your glory is revealed in all the earth. Indeed, all the animals bring you glory, all of creation, all of their activity. We are humbled and in awe of your power, your wisdom that is revealed in all of creation. Yeah, Father, we um, are even more humbled and even experience greater awe as we consider the grace that you have revealed to your people in the death of your Son. So we pray, Father, that as this gospel is proclaimed, as the death of Christ is um, preached, we pray, Father, that you would work in the hearts of your people, for the Spirit is at work in your people and in the elect to bring them to faith in Christ. So we ask that you would do this good work, and we ask that you would be glorified in all of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, this is the word of God. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the word of God. Now this Nicodemus that comes to Jesus by night, he was a Pharisee, we are told, and a ruler of the Jews. The Pharisees were part of a religious sect of the Jews who highly emphasized the external obedience of the law of God. We see this in the Gospels. We see this in the Gospels, and we also see that they were held up in Israel as those who were to be teachers, teachers of the laws. Jesus says in verse 10, Are you the teacher of Israel? 
and you do not know these things. So they held an exalted status among the people of God at this time. Jesus said to them at one point, you search the scriptures because in them you think there is eternal life, but it is they that speak of me. And so they were teachers of Israel. They searched the scriptures. But because they were in spiritual darkness, they could not see what they actually meant. They could not see that they spoke of Jesus, this Jesus who was standing right in front of them. The Pharisees looked at God's law and they said to themselves, we can do that. We can accomplish this. We do not need the grace of God. They look to their own righteousness and inevitably what happens is that when we begin to do these things, God's word is not sufficient in this system. When we begin to think that we can earn God's salvation, we begin to either take away or add to God's word. And this is what the Pharisees did. They loaded the people with burdens that they would not lift a finger to bear. And they did this for control and for the praise of men. When they attempted to come to John's baptism, John called them a brood of vipers. They loved the best seats in the synagogues. They loved being greeted in the marketplace. They loved money and power. The power they did have, as is mentioned here, that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He had power. This is the kind of power that they lusted after and uh, really loved and were unwilling to give up. And that's really why they wanted to be in the positions that they were in for the power, for the recognition. They had the power to excommunicate people from the synagogue. They had religious power intermingled with political, civil, and judicial power. They had power, and that power was evident when they moved the people to crucify Jesus, which is what they did. They used their power to have their Messiah put to death. And so it was from this group that Nicodemus came seeking Jesus. And so it should not be any wonder that, G- that Nicodemus came at night. He came under the, the cloak of night. He didn't want to be seen. He don't, didn't want to be seen by the other Pharisees talking to Jesus, asking him questions. And so he wanted to be covered. And so he came to Jesus by night. He did not come in the open. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is something of what we see in Nicodemus. Nicodemus, along with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and many others in Israel, they were agents of darkness. They loved sin. They loved rebellion against God. And they attempted to conceal their sins from the light of the sun by their outward morality, by their outward obedience to the laws of the Pharisees. And so they were hypocrites. Now we see, uh, we see here that hypocrisy knows no bounds here because obviously this ruler of the Jews saw something in Jesus that might be of some use to him. This is essentially what Nicodemus is coming forward for. Perhaps he can glean something from Jesus and use it for his own uh, benefit. But he certainly wasn't willing to jeopardize his place as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews to get whatever he was wanting to get from Jesus. So he comes by night. He comes to the light of the world and the darkness of night and the light speaks to him, but he can't understand because he is walking in darkness. 
Those who are in darkness live in deception and secrecy, and we are children of light, friends. We are called to be open. Our lives should be marked by openness, honesty, truth, light, life. We don't seek to cover up anything by the cloak of darkness. We are children of the light. And so this Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night seeking something, but not wanting to seek Jesus and the openness of true faith and repentance and self-sacrifice. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus tries to flatter Jesus with empty superficial compliments. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're an excellent teacher, that you're well regarded. And Jesus immediately trumps his belief system. And he says, we know. And he responds with, truly, truly. And so Nicodemus had come to him saying, we know. He had a certain kind of knowledge and authority, if, if we could call it that. And he expresses that kind of authority by saying, we know that you are a good teacher. Well, Jesus says, well, we know a certain thing or two. And actually, let me take you off the earthly plane and let me lift you up into the heavenly plane. Truly, truly, I say to you. Meaning, there's a knowledge that you cling to, Nicodemus, but let me share with you a divine knowledge that you can't see because you are still in darkness. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Which is interesting that Jesus put it this way because they're in darkness. It's at night. Nicodemus wants to come and maybe see something. He can use. Jesus says, you can't see unless you're born again. This is the truth. You know something, Nicodemus? Well, let me show you what truth is. Nicodemus had a flimsy and faulty worldview based upon his own reason and his own desires. Had he truly known the scriptures, he would have recognized Jesus as Lord and God, but he only saw power. He only saw Something worldly in Jesus that he could perhaps borrow or take and use to his own advantage. Surely God is with you in some way. No, Nicodemus, you're speaking to God. And Jesus, as the Son of the Father and so equal with God, speaks with divine authority. Truly, truly. Nicodemus was trying to reason with Christ on an earthly level. Christ knew his thoughts and goes straight to the heart of the matter. He says, truly, truly, which coming from Jesus' mouth is essentially saying, thus says the Lord. This is, this is the truth that you need to take to heart, Nicodemus. Now, Nic- Nicodemus's reaction to what Christ says brings to light the fact that his mind had been darkened by sin. His thoughts were tainted. They were skewed. They were directed toward man and the material, earthly, fleshly things. And he, he couldn't get out of that. He couldn't come out of that because he's in spiritual darkness. And so Nicodemus said to him, in that realm, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so Jesus speaks and he exposes the futility of this Pharisee's thinking because everything is uncovered and laid bare before the words of God. And that's what happens here. Nicodemus comes with a certain knowledge of things. He has a certain uh, 
conviction that this is the way things are, this is the way that the things have always been, Jesus speaks and immediately that light, the light of God's word, exposes his futility. He's, he's blind. He can't see. He can't understand about the second birth. What is the second birth? He's still stuck in the earthly realm. And so what Nicodemus is doing here with Jesus' words, he's trying to take the word of the Lord and filter it through his own standards, his own methods of reason and logic. And when he sees that this statement about being born again doesn't fit in with his worldview, he rejects it. His words show that he's immediately rejecting Christ's words. And so we, we can see it into the, through a window into the heart of Nicodemus. Yes, he's coming to Jesus, but why? If he really wanted something from Jesus, he would stop and listen. Close his mouth and bow his knees. and Listen to what Jesus says. Instead, he, he rejects it. How can a, that's impossible. How can somebody be born again? My interpretation of all of reality doesn't allow for a second birth. That's what Nicodemus was saying. Now, Nicodemus himself, as a man, had been passively subjected to birth from the womb of his own mother. This is how he came into the world. In fact, this is how all men come into the world. And he now, as a grown man, turns around and he imposes his own interpretation on birth, which, if you think about it, in itself is a mystery to us. That a woman would carry another human being in her womb and give birth to another person made in the image of God. It's, there's still much mystery around that, still much that is beyond human understanding. But God's eternal power and divine nature are revealed in creation, so his glory is revealed in the birth of men and women by women. And so Nicodemus is still without excuse here in his ignorance. In fact, Christ later asked in verse 12, if I've told you about earthly things, how do you not believe? Or if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly? Meaning, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Everything that you see, everything you do, it's going to be filtered through your warped worldview, your, the darkness of your understanding you will reject the truth of God's existence, the truth of his word, and everything that you experience and see. If mankind wants to suppress the truth of God's existence that is clearly shown in creation, then he cannot understand heavenly lessons. He cannot understand. That is what is happening with Nicodemus here. He has got his own version of what reality means, what it looks like, and uh, an interpretation of all things. Jesus comes with the word of God and it doesn't fit in with that, so he rejects it. Jesus actually would use later the process of a seed dying to produce grain as an indication of his need to die in order that he may live. That's what Jesus said. Just as a seed dies in the ground, so too must the Son of Man die, that others uh, might live. And so he draws images from creation to give people lesson on what he was there uh, there to do. But those images from creation fall on dead hearts. As those image, images from creation fall on dead hearts, they can't understand. 
a person must be born again by the Spirit in order to see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, Jesus goes on. He says, I truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night. He had come trying to peer into the light for his own benefit. And Jesus reveals to him that the blind cannot see the kingdom of God. The spiritually blind cannot see the kingdom of God, and they cannot enter into it. He said, you must be born again, and he adds, you must be born of water and the Spirit. No, Nicodemus, you can't come to me in secret, is what Jesus was saying. You can't come to me in secret with one foot in your pharisaical world and one foot in front of the Messiah thinking that you can enter the kingdom of God with a divided heart, with a heart that has not been renewed, born again, recreated. That is impossible. Jesus would later say to the crowds, the reason you don't understand is that you don't belong to God. That is why people don't understand. Entrance into the kingdom of God requires a supernatural renewal of the whole man, which we call regeneration. You must be born again. Something outside of you must act upon you and cause you to be something you weren't before. Similar to human birth. You're completely passive in human birth. You don't ask the baby in the womb its requests about how it wants to be born and when it wants to be born. It just happens. Same with the work of the Spirit. You are completely passive in this regard. You must be born again. Just like a child in the womb is born and moves from one mode of existence to another so too must a sinful man be moved from one mode of existence, living in darkness, to another, and this by the power of the Spirit of God. Now, of course, this is a mystery, but it's the truth. The Spirit of God, friends, regenerates our inner person so that we are a new creation in Christ. The Spirit recreates us. He renews us. He causes us to be born again. We move from darkness to light. We were blinded by sin, and He gives us eyes to see so that we might see the glory of Christ in the gospel. We move from death to life. We are given a heart of flesh to replace our heart of stone. This is what must take place if you are to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Now, This rebirth should not have been a new concept to Nicodemus, though. Jesus says this, you are a teacher of Israel, And you do not know this? Meaning, it was present in the scriptures that he taught. It was present in the Old Testament. This need for rebirth. This need for a a renewal of the soul in order to be part of the kingdom of God. This is from the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey your rules. This, these are the kinds of teachings that Nicodemus should have understood. 
This, shouldn't, should, this, this language should not have been foreign to him. This is recreation, renewal, regeneration, being born again. It's right here. Are you a teacher of Israel and this is strange to you? Now Jesus goes on to add water to his explanation. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Now of course there's a couple of different interpretations of this phrase, but I think Jesus is anticipating the water baptism as the sign that is accompanied with faith in Christ, water and the Spirit. Now John's baptism had done some of this work. But John's baptism became obsolete once Christ was raised from the dead and once his spirit was poured out on the church. And so baptism and regeneration are tied together. Baptism is a sign and a seal of that work of the spirit that God by his spirit causes us to be born again. We see this connection in Paul in the book of Romans. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see there that transfer from death to life, being born again in one existence. You were, now after having been acted upon by the Spirit of God, you now are transferred into this existence, an existence of life. Just like a baby is living in a one form of existence and is then born into a completely different form of existence. You must be born again. Baptism signifies that. Water baptism seals that. It is a sign for the church to further teach us what that means and to seal in our hearts what has taken place within our inner being. We have been born again by water and the Spirit. Baptism is the outward sign of the inward reality that we have passed from death to life in Christ. We must be born again by the Spirit to see the, see, to see the kingdom of God. Again, the word, the word of God falls on dead soil and produces no fruit if the Spirit doesn't replace our dead hearts with a living heart to believe that word. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, Jesus says. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This work of the Spirit takes place according to the will of the Spirit. The Spirit blows when and where he pleases. Just as a person doesn't choose his parents or when and where he will be born, so too a people do not choose when they will be saved. This is according to the will of God. Spirit blows where he wishes, where he wills. And so if we as a church want to see family members who do not know Christ, if we want to see those who are walking in darkness come to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we want to see the elect drawn from this dark age and brought into the kingdom of God, We are not going to do it by programs, by nifty uh, evangelism ideas or uh, nifty arguments. Of course, we do those things. Ultimately, it must be done by God. The, The Spirit must blow upon dead hearts and cause them to be born again. And so we appeal to God. God, save them. God, save these people. Give them a heart of flesh. 
saved our loved ones. Save those who do not know you in the same way you saved me when I didn't know you. When you blew upon my heart. When I wasn't asking. When I wasn't seeking. Do that work in others. The Spirit must blow upon the dead hearts of people if people are to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus says these words to uh, give a teaching on uh, the authority of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. We feel the wind and its power, power, but we don't know where it comes from or where it goes. We see the effects of the wind, but the wind itself is invisible, largely. So it is with the Spirit of God. He, rege- he regenerates and renews according to His will for His glory. He blows when and where He pleases. Men do not determine the Spirit's action and movement. We can't force the Spirit to do one thing or another. We can't bottle the wind or control it. So it is with the elect. God knows who are His, and His Spirit will irresistibly convert them and draw them to Christ. This is what Jesus has in mind in verse 6 when He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. To be born to a mother and a father is of no use, no matter who they are. Pharisees were born to Pharisees. Pharisees gave birth to other little Pharisees. They were a brood of vipers, as Jesus called them. And some of them had high, noble backgrounds, some in, uh, in the Roman culture at the time, and even among the Israelites had noble backgrounds, according to the flesh. But it's of no use. The flesh is powerless to save. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. With man it is impossible. With God's Spirit who moves according to his his own divine purposes, all things are possible. Now Nicodemus doesn't just simply remain confused. or Nicodemus just simply remains confused throughout this whole discussion. He had come in the night, perhaps hoping to gain something from Jesus, and the light spoke to him with things that were unintelligible to him. Now notice what Jesus, how Jesus sets what he and his followers would proclaim over against what Nicodemus and his group believed. Remember, Nicodemus said, we know that you are a great teacher. And Jesus shows him that they didn't really know anything at all. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. In other words, Christ and the apostles and now the church bear witness to the truth and all of reality, the truth about all of reality. And there are those in the world who do not receive it. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now Jesus had explained that a man must be born again to see the kingdom of God. He must be given a new birth. He now finishes his discourse by showing how that work is tied to the gospel. Men are converted, their wills are renewed, and they are powerfully and irresistibly drawn to Christ proclaimed in the gospel. The lifting up of the Son of Man. That is what Jesus refers to here. The proclamation of the good news. The lifting up of the Son of Man is a reference to the way in which Christ died. He was lifted up on a cross. And we hold that before the world. We hold that before people who don't know Him, who are in the darkness. Jesus is doing this here before Nicodemus. You have to be born again, Nicodemus. But also, you, 
as part of that rebirth, you have to see the glory of the Messiah hung on the cross, to see the glory of God's grace of Jesus hung on the cross. Now, Jesus gives some words here that are somewhat cryptic. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended, uh, the Son of Man. I think these refer to simply his his divinity. He is the one from heaven. He is the one from who is equal with God, who came from heaven and descended to earth to bring people into God's kingdom. In other words, Nicodemus, you are speaking to the Son of God. You are speaking to the divine Messiah of, of which the very scriptures you teach pointed to. <laughs> How, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know this. Those very scriptures taught of Jesus. They spoke of him. He's the one who came from heaven. He's the one who is from heaven, who is equal with God, the divine man, the divine uh, Messiah. And that Messiah would be lifted up on a cross. Now, Jesus references an Old Testament story where the Israelites had rebelled against God. They complained, and so God disciplined them with fiery serpents, and those serpents were killing them. Um, They were striking them and killing them because they had sinned against God. And they cried out for mercy, and Jesus gave them mercy by uh, having Moses hold up uh, his staff. And on that staff, it had a bronze serpent. And if they looked at the bronze serpent on the staff, they would be physically healed. And so they had to look at that bronze serpent by faith, trusting in God's promises. Well, that is what happens in the gospel, friends. That bronze serpent, as it was held up, it became the curse that was happening to the Israelites. It was a curse that they were experiencing. And that curse was taken from them and put on the staff, put on, was transferred to the lifting up of the staff, the bronze serpent on the staff. And so if they looked... They could see that that the curse that was coming upon them was lifted and they were healed. That is what happens when we preach the gospel. Christ hung up on a cross shows us that the curse that was upon us and that should have devoured us has been lifted upon us and placed on him. He became the curse. And therefore, those who look to him in faith are healed, spiritually healed. And in order for that to happen, you must be born again. But the two go hand in hand. God works. This is how God works. He he transforms hearts by the gospel. He transforms hearts to see the gospel. He renews hearts so that people might embrace the gospel. And that's what we pray for, friends, that he would continue to do in the church as we put Jesus lifted up on the cross before the watching world. Let's pray together.